Next on BYU Sports Nation, the 2020 West Coast Conference Men's Basketball Awards Special. Why wait for the WCC to announce it? Spring football's underway. Our top takeaways on day one. And is there really a quarterback competition? Plus my one-on-one with BYU football head coach Kalani Satake. Position changes, a new running backs coach, and why this team is so different from any other he's coached. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, March 3rd. Can you believe it? March Madness is upon us. Let's go. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who just witnessed the BYU Volleyball Play of the Year, Jerem Jordan. I thought I had seen it all. I've, I've been to every home match and watched a lot of the road matches, right? Uh, the Play of the Year happened in men's volleyball yesterday at practice. So there are some light fixtures in Smithfield House. Remember, it was uh, uh, built in 1951. It's pretty old. Brandon Overender takes his shot, shoots his shot mm-hmm. at a ball that was really high up in the rafters, and he gets it! That's the play of the year! This was posted on TikTok from BYU Volleyball. How about that throw? Bang! How many attempts? And doesn't matter. First try. First try. I'm Batman. Which, by the way, so Oberender's on a roll. He wins the match Saturday on an ace, and now he has that throw. Hottest player on campus right now. You thought it was the only child. It's no. actually Brandon Oberender. Brandon men's volleyball. Oberender. Which, by the way, the team, uh, the men's volleyball team, is, uh, I believe, on the plane right now headed to Hawaii uh, to play number one or two Hawaii. If you weren't going to Las Vegas, I would strongly encourage you to be on a plane to Hawaii yeah. to follow this. Yeah, yes, and I would probably need to stay the whole week. I just <laughs> really would. You know, just like we did in December. We just sacrificed to go there. Yeah, what a sacrifice to mm-hmm. be in Hawaii. It's kind of like JT shaving his head. What a sacrifice. Yeah, right, right. We're going to talk to him about that as part of today's show lineup. Also, who's the most important player on this BYU basketball team? Isn't it Yoli Childs? Does JT agree with that? When will BYU football hire a new running backs coach? Kalani Satake answers that question. And our top five Tuesday counts down the top five wins of the BYU basketball season Will you agree? I know you'll agree with number one, but will you agree with two, five through two? Two versus three is an interesting one. But two first, we count down today's BYUSN headlines. Beginning with BYU basketball senior forward Yoli Childs, named the West Coast Conference Player of the Week for a second consecutive week after a career-high 38 points, 14 rebounds, and a 17-point win in Malibu at Pepperdine. Childs has earned the honor four times in his BYU career. Spring football day one is in the books. Cougars held the first of 15 practices yesterday, this one in the indoor practice facility. Head coach Kalani Satake told Spencer, changes to scheme are about fit. The key is to get the best 11 on the field and in a position where we can create havoc and uh, have flexibility to just do a lot of different things. We have a bunch of smart guys that can run a bunch of different plays and different schemes, and we spend a lot of time establishing a solid foundation of, of a team that can adapt and do a lot of different things. The rest of that conversation coming up later in the show. The Cougars practice again today, spring game, scheduled for March 28th at LaBelle Edwards Stadium, which happens to be, what, uh, the Elite Eight day. So, Big day. Could be a big day. Riley Jensen McFarland pulls off her own version of the Yoli Child special. She goes back-to-back as player of the week 
in West Coast Conference softball. Riley totaled nine hits, eight runs batted in, seven runs scored, three home runs, a double, triple, four walks, all during the Judy Garman Classic last week. She hit 643 for the tournament. This marks the 10th overall WCC Player of the Week award for Jensen McFarland. So you mean... Uh, Yoli's chasing Riley in the WCC Player of the Week awards. That's yes. yeah. Riley's making and an early case for WCC Player of the Year again. Yeah. BYU Baseball hosts Utah Valley for the home opener tonight. Let's go. Uh, Batcats at home. 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. BYU Radio 107.9 FM as well. Spender Linton from Miller Park. Yeah. Good luck with that guy. It's like your third home. I love it. You have a lot of homes, man. You're rich. Mm-hmm. Cougars 52-8 and eight in home openers since 1960. How about that? 1960, the year of Vern Law, right? Was yes. that the year he won the Cy Young? I believe, yeah. The, the year. Los Pirates. That shall be Pittsburgh. known as the year of Vernon Ver- Law. Vernon Law. 1960. Absolutely. The Deacon. Love, he's on uh, the sideline at basically every BYU women's basketball home game. I love it. Oh, he, yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's all in, baby. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Why wait for the West Coast Conference? It's time to reveal our unofficially official BYU Sports Nation All-West Coast Conference Men's Basketball Awards. Now, this is a collective effort. We have formed a united front together as a staff. I think so. We think <laughs> Jerem, me, and our tireless BYU Sports Nation There's production team. J- just... Tons of them. Yeah. Just, we, the fire marshal showed up. He's like, there's too many people in this room. Yeah. It begins with the player of the year. And in our totally biased opinion, that goes to Yoli Childs, yes. who clinched it with his 38.14 rebound performance in the regular season finale at Pepperdine. I think that he should be the player of the year, and we think so as well. Of course, we come at it from the BYU perspective. But I think he's the best player in the conference. If a Gonzaga player, for perhaps uh, Philip Patrushev, gets it, then that means uh, the best team was rewarded, the best player on the best team. But is it that, or is it the best player in the league? It should be the best player in the league. And the best player in the league is clearly Yoli, Yoli Childs. Childs. Yeah, he should win it. Whether he will win it is another story. I hope that he wins it. I think he deserves it. I think he came back. I think he said he wanted defensive player of the year. Player of the year is uh, mostly rewarded offensively. BYU made it a tighter conference race uh, than I think most thought. Um, it was a two-game win by Gonzaga, but this is an individual award, right? The team play certainly ties into this, but Yoli Childs, player of the year. Let's go. How much will Yoli be penalized for not playing in every West Coast Conference game? How much does an injury factor into this award? I didn't know that that factored in, right? Um, and there's no, cl- there's no explanation as to yes and no on that stuff, but I think he should win regardless. Those 12 games were meaningful. Yoli Childs would not be the first to win it at BYU, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. It's Gonzaga's conference, but BYU has produced two West Coast Conference Players of the Year in the previous eight seasons of WCC competition. Tyler Hawes, BYU's all-time leading scorer, did it in 2013-14. Kyle Collinsworth followed that up two years later as the Player of the Year in 2015-16. We think Yoli Child should be the third to win it for BYU. Gonzaga's won it four times in that span. St. Mary's has produced two players of the year with Matthew Delavdova and Jock Landale in that same span. Mm-hmm. Good for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> On to the first team. 
No surprise. Now, now, now the WCC does a 10-player first team. Now, we're doing any, it different. doesn't make any sense We're doing it different. There should be a five-player first team and a five-player second team. That's yes. what we're doing. So let's go. Okay. Yoli Child's obviously on the first mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Patrushev of Gonzaga. Jalil Tripp of Pacific. Jordan Ford of St. Mary's. And we put Corey Kispert on there. I really think that TJ Haas could be in this position. Yes. It, it came down to... Why it, did we put Kispert over Haas? Haas or Kispert? Yeah. And we thought having two Zags matters because they're number two in the country. Is that what we thought? Their balance hurts them in this conversation. Yeah, I, I really think you could put T.J. Haas on the first team. He wasn't on the 10-player first team officially last year, by Which the way. Which was we were so annoyed. Dumb. So dumb. Still bothered. He'll be on the 10-player first team, right? So, uh, second team. T.J. Haas, mm-hmm. BYU. Colby Ross of Pepperdine. Jake Toulson of BYU. Kelly and Tilly of Gonzaga and Malik Fitz of St. Mary's. I think we've got the 10. If we're off, we're off by one player, maybe, I bet. That's a solid 10. The really West Coast good. Conference really has good. some outstanding basketball players. I mean, look at that. I mean, the first five, Petrushev, going to be an NBA guy. Yoli Childs is probably going to be invited to the NBA Combine. We'll see. He has helped his stock by coming back. One of the top 25 players in America, I think, Yoli Childs. Jordan Ford. A little bit undersized, but one of the more dynamic scores in the entire country, yeah. not just the West Coast Who Conference. Who cares about pro prospects with that? Yeah, no, Jordan Ford's the best point guard in the league. Like, he and TJ Haas, co-best point guards in the league. And Corey Kisper can be a guy like Kyle Korver. He's got that size. He can shoot the ball well. He's 6'8". He's not as good-looking as Korver, I'll be honest. But he is good-looking. He can ball out. Yeah, Corey Kispert has some pro prospects for sure. And Jalil Tripp is probably the off-the-radar one for most people. Yeah, yeah he was uh, you know, t- the top-five scorer in the league. He was the number-one rebounder. So he should be rewarded. And they tied for third with uh, He's number four losses. in steals as well. There you go. Um, coach of the year. It should be Mark Pope for the job that he did in year one, beating Gonzaga, finishing in second solo, two games back in Gonzaga. He should be the coach of the year. You could give it to Mark Few every year. They only lost one game. They're number two in the country. Like, that's all good, but yeah, I, th- I, think it's, uh, I think it's Mark Pope. Who did Mark Few vote for? That's what I want to know. It's either Can't Mark Pope or Damon Stoudemire, right? Right. Damon Stoudemire should be rewarded as well, but they lost five games, and they didn't play Gonzaga or St. Mary's twice, by the way. Ah. So had they played twice, they would have had seven losses, you'd think, perhaps. Um, sorry, they did play St. Mary's twice. There was someone else. They didn't play BYU twice. They didn't play BYU twice. There it is. Okay, newcomer of the year. Jake, Jake Toulson. Jake Toulson. Do we? I, I feel like super biased in all this, but he's the best newcomer of the year. Uh, uh, he's a Armand non- Gilder, Woolridge from yeah. Gonzaga. Those but, guys are awesome, but Jake Toulson's a top ten score in the league, eighth leading score in the West Coast Conference, fifty percent from three, in top the league. twenty rebounder, best three point shooter in the conference. Like he does it all. Yeah. He has better stats, and this is again, yes, we're biased. But we tried to take some bias out of it when we were looking at these numbers. Jake Toulson's numbers are so impressive when it comes to newcomers. I like the Timmy kid from Gonzaga. Yeah, he's a good player, Mm -hmm. but his numbers weren't nearly as impressive as Jake's. Right, and he's coming off the bench. And he's coming off the bench. He would start at every other team in the league. And then Jaleel Tripp, Defensive Player of the Year. Rebounding, steals, that's a good call. So those are our awards. The awards are expected to come out in the next, uh, I guess, hour or two. So, uh, yeah, we first, we got the first. We, we were we, the first out. We put them first out. on Twitter. Yeah. First on Twitter. First. Doesn't have to be good. Just be first. <laughs> Those are not our journalistic principles. <laughs> Topic two. After day one of spring football, the narrative of a quarterback competition is resurfaced. Uh, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, 
all guys that have won games mm-hmm. and look pretty good, right? So Kalani Satake, what say ye? There's a race for all the quarterbacks to be as good as they can. So uh, we'll play the best guys, and, and we feel really comfortable with the talent that's there and, and the talent that we've recruited. You know, so uh, we we'll, we should never be in a position where we're struggling to get a quarterback on the field that can help us win. Spencer, is there a quarterback competition? Yes, but primarily for the second string position. Oh. It is Zach Wilson's job. Yeah. Have we not figured this out already based on what we've seen in the past and how the coaches have decided to play Zach Wilson when and where, and they wanted him back on the field as soon as possible? Maybe he was rushed back last season and that hurt BYU a well, little bit. Well, why? Because, because Jaron Hall was hurt and Baylor Romney was hurt. But if Jaron Hall doesn't get hurt, he may start the rest of the year. Like, Who Zach knows? doesn't have to be rushed in. Baylor Romney doesn't have to play at all. So it was nice to discover Baylor Romney and what he did against Boise State. I'm going to continue that joke. Was it even hard to beat Boise State? BYU played its third-string quarterback. <laughs> and it's like fifth-string running back. Best win of the year. I'm just trying to rub it to uh, Boise State. I, I'm with you, dude. There's no, there's no competition for one. It, should there always be a high level of play? Yes. But Zach Wilson, when he's healthy, he's the best quarterback BYU has. Yet, Jaron Hall is not far behind, and Baylor Romney is not far behind that. It's really close, and it's really awesome to have three capable guys. This is the best quarterback room BYU's had since, like, QBU era? Question mark? Maybe John Beck and Max Hall? Pretty good, but who was the third that was good? You know what I mean? Like, a third where you're like, he could start and we'd be fine. Blaine Fowler always talks about being in the quarterback room with... uh, Mark Will, you know, or Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, like in 81. That is wild. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying it's that level. They're not like three All-Americans that are all going to play in the NFL. It'd be nice if one of them played in the NFL. But these guys are exactly what BYU needs. They are good enough to win BYU nine games. Yeah, Zach Wilson's the guy. Even without saying it publicly yesterday, Kalani Satake and his coaches, they've made him the guy. And that's totally fine. He's healthier than he's ever been at BYU, by the way. So what kind of difference will that make for the Cougars? And again, I think the real competition happens between Jaron and Baylor. Maybe, just maybe, Jaron is pushed into a situation where he can take on more of a Taysom Hill role in New Orleans for the Cougars, where he could play a little wide receiver, a little slot, a little running back. I don't know. I don't see that, but I'm interested into how they will use him. Uh, I I agree there's no competition um, there. Perhaps for the number two. I do think Jaron Hall's the number two, I think. Which, by the way, he wore a BYU baseball shirt under his mesh jersey. Of course he did. He just hit a grand slam. Yeah. Uh, Other notes that we should mention uh, from day one. Zane Anderson training with the cornerbacks. He looks a lot lighter, and he told me, in his words, I feel way faster. Which is good. Uh, George Udo at safety. He's a name to remember. Neil Pau uh, missed practice yesterday, but he is uh, cleared to go. He's back. To me, he's one of the top three receivers BYU has when he's healthy and ready to go. Hank Tui Peloto out practicing, but not a full go yet. Jeff Grimes uh, tore his rotator cuff in the offseason. He was in a sling. So he's like other guys recovering from offseason shoulder surgery. Devin Kafusi not dressed, perhaps, from a surgery in the offseason. And then Harvey Unga is running the running back room. Will he be the guy? Will he be the guy? Uh, We've mentioned it. It feels like Harvey versus the field for that job. Um, And coming up with Klein Sataki, he will answer that question from you of when will that person be hired? Yes. We go through all of the position groups in that conversation, at least briefly, my one-on-one with Kalani Sataki, and how good do the tight ends look right now? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were on the sideline watching the media portion. We were like, hey, there's tight ends for days, man. That's a 
good group. A lot of six five dudes with uh, good hands, you know. Back to basketball for our question of the day. Which BYU Cougars will earn all West Coast Conference honors and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Lori Wood answers on Facebook. Childs, Haas, and Toulson, the BYU Big Three. Yoli's stats for points per game, rebounds, and assists make him a candidate for player of the year. TJ should be first team, and Jake's offense deserves recognition. Yeah, TJ will be first team because it's a 10 player. We did what we think makes more sense. Um, the league wants to honor more guys, I guess, right? They do a first team with 10, and then they do a second team with five. So you would think that all three are going to show up in that group. Will all three show up on the first team, the 10 mm. man, is the question. We're going to find out in an hour or two. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, Kalani Sitake, two Spencer Linton, and one-on-one on the latest with Neil Pau and Chaz Ayu. Plus, BYU basketball alumnus and the always entertaining Jonathan Tavernari in Studio B. What seed does BYU deserve right now if the tournament started today? This is BYU Sports Nation. Neil Diamond said it. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Season finale as the coach and Yoli Child sit down with Gregor Bell as the Cougars prepare for the West Coast Conference Tournament. Brand new deep blue on Connor Harding. Watch it on the BYU TV app at 8 Eastern time. We should have another packed house. It's going to be awesome. We are live in Studio B with not a packed house, but that's okay. Yeah, we have seven people in the room, I think. (laughs) We like it that way. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, and we are pleased to welcome in the always fun, energetic, and entertaining Jonathan Tavernari, former BYU basketball standout, European star. JT, first and foremost, when is the hair appointment to have your head shaved set up for? Uh, you guys want to do it? Do you want to do it? Do you want to record it? Do you want to do it? Do you know how to do it? No, not really. I just know how to Do you know how to do shaved. it? I'm not sure I know how to do it, but I'm, I, I'm a fast learner. <laughs> do you want to do it? What's funny is I never, when we did it on the set, I never had it, like, touched up at all. And huh. I realized that later I was like, oh, hopefully we did it well because right. it, it didn't grow in weird. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if you want to set it up and bring the cameras, I mean, you can kind of just do the fr- I mean, it's not very long right now. Is it right kind now. of shaved right now? Yeah. Is this really a thing? But, I mean, anyway. We're not know. doing your beard, by the way. You're not? No. <laughs> you keep it? You have a nice face. I don't want to mess with that. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. But if you want to do it, then afterwards, I'm going to go. I'm going to put a razor to it. Remember how I used to – everybody always asks me, why did you do it in college? And I'm like, listen, the honor code is no joke, right? I love it. I respect it. And there were multiple times that people would, hey, you you need to be clean shaven. And And you you need to mind your well. Well, I didn't say that. And I'll say, hey, thanks. Come to the basketball games, right? I mean, that's how you get. That's how you get sellout crowds, right? And so, uh, I'm like, fine. And if you guys remember my freshman year, my hair was kind of like about this length. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of it. And you know, when you're in the shower, it's just easier for you to just kind of shave everything, just cover the eyebrows, and you know, I I I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you shaved your eyebrows? No. Oh. Oh, I was about to say that would have been interesting, but <laughs> no, yeah, I that so that's the reason why I had it that's in if college. He wins the natty, yeah, yeah, and so Jim's gonna shave his eyebrows if they win the national championship in <laughs> basketball or football in or both men's rugby oh. again. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, we'll line it up, man. Okay, hey, I'm all for it. So okay, WCC honors are coming out in like thirty to seventy minutes or something, right? Um, in the next little while, should Yoli Childs be the player of the year? 
I, here's the thing. You have uh, my personal opinion and by what I've always been a part of, you're not talking about the non-conference player of the year. You're talking about the West Coast Conference player of the year. Obviously, yes. conference. I didn't want to say season. conference back-to-back. Yeah. Back, but that's what you're talking about. And how fitting is that the very last game against Pepperdine is what put him over the limit of games needed, and now he's the leading scorer and rebounder, and he is dominating. And so um, I do think BYU exceeded expectations um, coming into the uh, you know this 2019-2020 season. And so, yes, I think that he is a player of the year. Um, but you can't disregard uh, Petrusev from, from Gonzaga. I mean, he is NBA bound. Is he a lottery pick like Jacob Poto or whatnot? He reminds me of him. We don't know, but he is an NBA caliber player, right? And people tend to fall in love with, you know, potential and all this guy, you know, and and so forth. So, yes, Yoli should be a player of the year because of everything that he has accomplished in conference play. Um, You know, but if you look at it, this year will be interesting because BYU – if you look at the big three, right, the so-called big three, T.J. Hawes, Jake Toulson, and Yoli Childs, you would expect all of those guys to make first team, right? And it's a 10-team, ten 10-player ten team. It ain't really? going to happen. You think two? First team. I'm talking about the first five. I know it's a, I know the they way do they, a 10. they yeah. do it different, yeah. right? They don't have a freshman of the year. They have a newcomer of the year. And so that's for Gonzaga's transfers, right? Yes, and so <laughs> right, and so or BYU's I, for that matter, or BYU's. There you go. But you know what I mean? Maybe Jake, because Jake did Jake ever play in the in the West Coast Conference? Yes, I think it was West Coast yes, Conference. Yes, but already. they made him eligible. He, it, well, we, we know this, yeah. right? And so what I personally think is, I think if because of that, those three guys probably would be in the in the top ten, right? Along with uh, the point guard for St. Mary, Jordan, Jordan Ford. Yep. Um, the point guard from um, Pepperdine. Pepperdine, yes. Kobe, Kobe Ross. Ross. Kobe Ross. We had him on the. I also, yes, I also think the um, the big man from Pacific, uh, Jalil Tripp. Yes, he's, a, he's kind of a small forward. Yes. So, yeah. I think those, along with Yoli, those are the six that are pretty much locked in. And then you have all the guys, the guys from Gonzaga. You know what I mean? You got Just probably, throwing any four basically. Well, because they're so good. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think that there's going to be another two guys from Gonzaga: Kisper, Tilly, uh, Woolridge. Pick your poison. You know, definitely think Tilly. Here's the thing, though. It, who do you pick? Do you I'd pick Petrusev yeah. or do you pick Tilly? Because Yoli's not going to be out of there. So it, it kind of it, it depends. Or maybe put both of them there. And so it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it. And again, it's cool to have honors. You know, in my career, I was I was I was very fortunate. And, you know, and lucky. Talked about this yesterday with a friend of mine, Jonas. Uh, it's funny that how, you know, when you work really hard, you tend to be very lucky. You know what I mean? And so, funny but, how that works. Yeah. And so, but, uh, you know, I made, I made all Mountain West, um, you know, all, pretty much every year. And so it's, it's Were cool. Were you sixth man of the year one year? They had that yeah. or something? So my, my yeah. senior year. That was yeah. cool. So uh, it, it, it's great, right? And at the moment, it, but in reality, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean anything, right? And so, but I think it, it, for Yoli, being the player of the year would be a great honor. It would be, it would kind of be, you know, the cherry on the top to finish a great career at BYU and the things that he came back for. And so I, I really think that he's deserving. And again, the performance he put up against Gonzaga, against Pepperdine, the last three or four games, I mean, he's literally being dominant, Right. And I know you got to ask me a few questions, but 
How? It, it, no, we don't. Uh, Keep going. I, it baffles me that nobody comes and double team this man. Well, well, well I, I, I laughed at. I, I said, "I am you. amazed at this. Nobody double team this man. They're literally going. Well, BYU is going to beat us by. They, you know, we're going to see if they can beat us uh, by the inside game because they're not going to make enough threes to beat us. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> let's give the ball to the best, one of the best players in the country, and let them get forty. Yoli said, "I felt bad. I shot so much because this was the game where." Right. They said, we're not going to double down, and right. we're not going to let the number one three-point shooting team right. in the country beat us, which I understand that. But at some point in the game, don't you go, okay, he's got like 24 on 13 shots. Right. We should change this. It never happened. However, credit to Pepper Dindo because— Pep- No, they lost by 17. No credit. No. <laughs> it was a close game until about 10 minutes to go. See, Losers you, talk about you margins. Are, you, you need blue goggles, not because you're seeing to the future, but because you're the biggest homer that I know after Greg Rebell. I'm the biggest homer. BYU, it was uh, a, You don't watch this show very much. It was a, Spence, it was a close game. It was close. About, they were down by three and a half. What do, about, I, what do I say about margins? You say losers talk losers about margins. Losers talk about margins besides the final score. Okay. All you right. know what I mean? Very prophetic. Hey, but, it was close with 10 minutes... That's good for Pepperdine. It's not good for BYU. Who cares? They won. USD's going, dude, we almost beat BYU. BYU's like, we won the game. My point is, and if you let me finish before you're going about this losers, margins, and all this AP calculus, which looks like you did in high school. I never took calculus. You look like the guy guy in in high school that took. Does this say math? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I will say this. Teams are now saying, I want to see if BYU can beat us by scoring inside the three-point line. And uh, it's interesting because BYU is winning these games. They are 100% winning these games. But against Pepperdine, against San Diego, it's been closer than what I expected. Santa Clara. It it has been closer, right? And then you kind of go like, well, but what about Gonzaga? Because Jake is taking step backs and shooting from half court, doing the Steph Curry routine. And you're like, yeah, I mean, but Gonzaga played doubling Yoli. Gonzaga, one of the best teams in the country, doubled this man, and nobody else is doing it. Because they thought he may turn it over, right? You know, but he didn't, right? Maybe he threw the ball. one time he threw it away. But it happens, right? If nine times out of ten you do something right, I mean, I'll live with those odds. And so I'm very interested to see, and I think it's so weird, and this is not a bash on Tom Homo. I know he likes the conference, but it is so weird the way that the WCC does their scheduling. It's so weird. BYU does not play for, what, another six days after playing on Saturday? That's a big old Gonzaga break. Gonzaga asked for this, essentially. Oh, 100%. You know, well, and it's, it's to get on TV for the tourney. And the sure. Whole. And I, I, I'm not, not, I'm not questioning the TV side of it. It's a business, right? I mean, this is a business. I 100% agree with you. However, it is catered to Gonzaga because Gonzaga has been head and shoulders, the best team in the conference, and has been for almost two decades. But they only got to play two games, right? And all of the odds that they beat Pepperdine or Pacific or whatever now has BYU. But in the past, what are the odds that they wouldn't just just steamroll over one of these teams and then just let the chips fall against St. Mary's in the title game? Right, and it's to avoid lowering what was the RPI. Sure. Net, which I can understand. 100%. However, in, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it, it's it, I honestly, in my very first thought, as soon as I'm like, oh, my, the brackets came out, BYU doesn't play until Monday. My very first thought is the momentum might not be there anymore, right? Because here's the thing. BYU is in BYU is hot right now. One of the hot team, uh, excuse me, one of the hottest teams in the country, hands down. Nobody wants to see BYU right now, right? But if you got this 
steaming train, just keep it going, keep going, and he doesn't have a foe to kind of clash, I mean, it's it's hard for you to keep the enthusiasm up. We've just practiced. We just shoot around, lifting weights or whatnot. Um, but at the very same time, Mark Pope and his staff have done a tremendous job keeping that motivation up. And so it's – I just personally think in my experience as a player – um, you know, here in college, but also professionally, even when you have in the playoffs and you're the momentum, it's tough when you are like in that rhythm and you're going and then maybe you have like a week off it, you get a little bit rusty. And that's, I mean, it's, it's natural. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Station. Always entertaining, my friend. I have an assignment for you. I yes. need you to go to Twitter and I need you to tweet out what seed BYU deserves right now. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What they deserve right now and why. What do you think they deserve? A five seed. Okay. I think there are three scenarios. What do you think? We got to go. <laughs> that's fair. Let's talk during the break. That's, that's fair. But there are three scenarios, though, and very legitimate. Though. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued. Go get that let's, Twitter listen. followership. Let's go, man. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have you on before Selection Sunday again. We will chat at length about this. Sure. There's lots to discuss. Okay. All right. I... And if you pay, you can watch on Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> and get the unedited content. No, I'm just playing. JT, J- thanks, man. I, I appreciate it, guys. I, I, you know, I get my 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 share my fair share of laughs when I come over here. <laughs> I appreciate it, whether merited or not. Coming up, <laughs> Kalani Sitake and when BYU will hire a new running backs coach. Plus, the latest BYU basketball resume update. Who dropped the Cougars in their metric? How dare they? This is BYU Sports Nation. Very focused in video control. I'm telling you, you should have heard the conversation we just had. JT and I arguing back and forth. Fantastic. <laughs> BYU TV will have extensive coverage of the West Coast Conference Basketball Championships again this year. We're doing every game that ESPN doesn't. Eight women's games, four men's games, uh, tournament updates, half times. We're going to be live at the Orleans Arena with the show starting Thursday. Look, Big, Big Blue's Blue, on the road. is rumbling down on the road. On the road again. I-15 yeah, to Vegas. So uh, we actually started the TV version of BYU Sports Nation in Las Vegas in March. Uh, six years ago. So I, I think that, is it today or was it the 5th? I can't remember. In 2014. That we we need to go back and find the specific date. But yeah, we launched yeah. the TV side, yeah. the simulcast from the West Coast Conference Tournament yes. in March of 2014. It's been six years. It was the 4th of March. So tomorrow, tomorrow is the six-year anniversary of the TV version of BYU Sports That's Nation. wild. We were on uh, BYU Ready for six months. They were like, I don't know about these kids. <laughs> It was our beta test. And then six months later, six months later, like, I still don't know. Six that. years later. Six years later. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't know. Do we have anyone better? Well, like it or not, we're still rolling along alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Yoli Childs is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. For the second straight week, after a career-high 38 points at Pepperdine Saturday, the West Coast Conference Awards will come out uh, in the next 90 minutes. Football. The first BYU football spring practice in the books. First of 15, for that matter, in March. Practice 2 goes down today. The spring game set for Lavelle Edwards Stadium on March 28th. My one-on-one with Kalani Satake hits in about five minutes. Softball. Riley Jensen McFarland, USA, is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week for a second straight week, like Yoli Childs. Nine hits, eight RBI, three homers at the Judy Garman Classic. This is their 10th career WCC Player of the Week now. Baseball. BYU baseball and the Batcats host their home opener against cross-county rival Utah Valley today. All night! 39th matchup all-time between the Cougars and Wolverines. BYU 52-8 and in home opener since 1960. Watch live 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on the BYU TV app. Listen on BYU Radio. 
Cougars in the Major Leagues. In spring training, Brendan Lund went one for three for the Angels in a 9-4 loss to the mic'd up Anthony Rizzo and the Chicago Cubs. That was pretty awesome. It was so fun. As he's playing, he's talking. Like, he's at the dish. And he says, I'm expecting a heater. I haven't seen one today. Bink. Yeah. And he hits, he hits into center field and he goes, I'm going two here. And then he goes, just kidding. <laughs> we need more of this. We need more of this oh, in baseball. Yes. Let, yeah, let the people in have access, right? It's, it's all cool. about access. And baseball really needs that, especially right now. Yeah. Jeremy, right now we are mic'd up, kind of, for the latest BYU basketball resume update. The net remains strong. Number nine. Nine! So good, man. Number nine. Awesome. BYU still 11 in Kempom, holding steady at 14 in ESPN's Basketball Power Index. Now, they do make a move in the Sagarin ratings. They drop one spot from 16 to 17. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Okay. Strength of record still 23 overall, and in the metric that shall not be named, I, BYU is down two. Uh, by the way, uh, Chip Orman DM'd me on Twitter and said, hey, can you discuss why BYU is nine in net but a six seed in Lenardi? We're going to address that uh, probably tomorrow on the show. So uh, we'll explain a little bit more why we think that is. Bracket matrix. Uh, average seed of 5.5. Five. five. I'd like five. Let's five point five six. High of four, low of eight. Uh, no real rootables of note tonight, unless you want to root against Duke because Duke. Let's go Duke. <laughs> uh, Joe Lenardi is like going to join us on Thursday, Jerem. Joe Lenardi, baby. ESPN's Joe Lenardi yeah. will join us with his bracket insight on where the Cougars fit in. So, well, yeah, why? And why he has them as a six seed right now, despite being nine in the net right. and eleven. Sunday in play Kenpom. certainly plays a role, but. Is BY why is BYU nine in net? Does net not matter then? Like that's my question with all this. We'll discuss. Coming up, the top five wins of the basketball season. And my extended one-on-one with BYU football head coach Kalani Satake. Position changes for the spring. The latest on Neil Pau and Chaz Ayu. And when are they gonna hire a new running backs coach? This is BYU Sports Nation. Chad's just spinning that wheel in EBS. Come on. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Baseball hosts Utah Valley, the entire Valley, tonight in the home opener, 7 Eastern on BYU Radio 107.9 FM, or if you really like Spencer, you can watch it on the BYU TV app. (laughs) I will be watching, and in fact, when the Pope show's over, I'm going to wander over there and hang out, man. Spender and Jerome just hanging out in Studio B. Uh, Yes, BYU Baseball. That's our other podcast. We're going to have a secondary podcast. Spender and Jerome. Yeah, different ideas. Okay. Like, I'll take that side of things and you take this side and we'll just see remember when we yeah, did that in between yes. the lines it was yes. so uncomfortable <laughs> i don't ever want to do that again never uh yes we will have BYU baseball tonight and right now we're queuing up byu football into practice two today of 15 spring practices and to wrap up day one i went one-on-one with byu football head coach kalani satake and ran him through the gamut of all of your burning questions here is that interview Kalani, how would you sum up day one of spring football? Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because uh, although we missed the seniors that graduated, uh, the amount of upperclassmen and, and guys that are returning with playing experience is huge for us. And so um, it, it seemed a, a lot easier because we could focus on different things rather than teaching and, and learning the plays. Uh, this is something that the guys already know, and we can kind of focus on some really um, crucial details that will help them you know, be better. And I thought uh, defensively that helped out. I know offensively did as well. And we got some special teams work. So I, I think team made a huge 
a huge step in, in practice one and looking forward to the next 14. Every team tries to establish an identity, as they should. Um, what do you know about this team as of March, early March, we'll say? Well, we just keep working. This this team will work really hard, and uh, good things will happen when you have guys that just with this type of work ethic and and this determination, you know. So the, the sense of urgency in our program and with our players leading the way, it's, it's uh, setting the standard for everything else. And uh, really the new guys get in here, and they feel like they have to get, get going really quickly, and that's a good sign. So... Uh, if we can just um, let the seniors and then the juniors, the, the the guys with a lot of playing experience, keep leading the way, then I think we'll be in a good good place. Who are who are some of the new guys, uh, whether they're freshmen or returning missionaries, that uh, you feel like are making an impact right now? Well, it's hard to like mention one, but I, there's a lot of guys that I think, with some of the position changes that we've made, you know, and getting guys at different looks at different places, I think that's going to hu- be a huge impact for our our team and, and the production that we want to get from our from our defense, offense, and special teams. So I, it's hard for me to men- mention one person because I'll forget probably another dozen. Let's talk about those position changes. Uh, Zane Anderson running around at the secondary, looks a lot slimmer, says he feels a ton faster. He's with the corners uh, as as well. Uh, Max Tooley also back there on the secondary. Um, what do you expect from those guys? What's the plan for Zane and, and Max and any others on the defensive side? Yeah, I think that's more natural that what, what they want um, for their their body and their and their um, instincts, I think, fit the DB style. Now, whether they're playing, uh, you know, nickel safety or or corner, that all depends on on how the competition goes. But um, I think, you know, in the past we've had to move guys around to try to get the best eleven on the field, and sometimes that meant bulking up some guy that that probably doesn't fit the best at linebacker. Now, with so much depth at linebacker, we can move guys around. It gives it gives us a lot more freedom to. You know, put a Max Tooley over with the safeties and put, um, you know, Zane, play around with him at safety and corner. I think that gives us a lot a lot better uh, flexibility to get the best 11 on the field. And that's uh, with all these guys that are returning at linebacker and have tons of experience. So I'm um, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Who's going to join Kairos Tonga up front to try and get that uh, defensive push in the front line? Uh, competition is still out, but I think we definitely have a lot of bodies that can compete. I think Nice Omahe and, and Bracken Obaka came along. Um, you know, we're, we're still playing around with it with uh, uh, some others that whether they play inside or outside, that depends on on um, where we feel like we can get the best fit with our ends. You know, so uh, whether we're playing a four-man front or a three-man front, I think it all depends on on uh, Kyrus being in there. You know, and so I think he's focused and lost a lot of weight already, and and I think he wants to be an every-down guy, which I think will help him in the next level and definitely help our team. What kind of different schemes are you going to try? Because I know that a four-two-five was floated out there into the media on social media, and uh, so what? What kind of different schemes are you looking at with this team? A lot. So I, I mean, I don't really want to let everyone know what our strategy is, but I, I think the key is to get the best eleven on the field, and in the position where we can create havoc and um, have flexibility to just do a lot of different things. We have a bunch of smart guys that can run a bunch of different plays and different schemes and. We've spent a lot of time establishing a solid foundation of, of a team that can adapt and do a lot of different things. And it took a little bit more time in the soft season to get us ready. And I, I feel like in day one of installing spring football, we were really right where we need to be. And I'm, so I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, without saying too much, yeah, we can do a lot of different things. And this is the first time I felt that way as a head coach where we can kind of just do whatever's best for our scheme. And, and we have guys that understand it. I mean, we were doing install on the field and just doing a couple changes on the field today in practice and it was an easy transition for our guys because they they've seen it and they played it 
Why do you think that is? Is it a leadership thing? Is it an experience thing? Is it both? Probably a little bit of both, but also just um, them understanding what all the other 10 guys are doing on the field and, and understanding the scheme a little bit more and uh, raising their level of football IQ. So that, that, that helps out. And and then us just stressing them a little bit, you know, letting them know that, that them knowing more is going to help our team be better and help them perform better. On the offensive side, Zach Wilson comes back. He's the incumbent starter. But then you have the curious case of Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall, who have both proven in games that they are very capable players. Is there a race for the backup quarterback position? There's a race for all the quarterbacks to be as good as they can. So uh, we'll play the best guys, and, and we feel really comfortable with the talent that's there and, and the talent that we've recruited. You know, So uh, we, we should never be in a position where we're struggling to get a quarterback on the field that can help us win. And so I, I think um, if you look in the years past, decades ago, you know, we've, we've done really well in that position when guys have been stressing the starter for, for some playing time. And I feel like we have a really good opportunity for that to happen. At the running backs group, you get the uh, injection of Devontae Henry Cole once he graduates from the U and comes over here in the fall. Until then, what does the running backs room look like? Yeah, you, you have Tyler Algier who, who finished the season there and then you know, Sionifi now is still coming along with his injury, but he's doing a great job at leading and, and helping get the guy set up. But, um, you know, Lopini Katoa is still there, and, and so he he can do a lot of different things. He's versatile. He can he can catch the ball in the backfield. And uh, I think, um, you know, those guys, I think the, the, the connection of Jackson McChesney being a little bit older and being off his mission longer is going to be huge for us. And, and uh, you, then you're going to see some other guys start to emerge as we get further down the line. But... Uh, right now, we feel like that that's a good group, and um, you know, offensively, I think we can put him in a position to really have an impact in games. What's the latest with Neil Pau? Because he posted on social media, it's good to be back, and, and he's had uh, kind of a windy road, but it's nice to see him at practice. What can you tell us about Neil and when he'll get going again? Yeah, he's ready to roll, you know, and so he's he's 100% with us and really proud of the things that he's done and, and the position that he is in right now, you know, so uh, looking forward to him being a contributor to our team and competing for a starting spot and and I know that we could, uh, you know, we missed him last year. He was on the team, but he redshirted. But I think it'd be really uh, good for him to make some plays for us this year. And just glad uh, the things that, that that he was able to accomplish in the last year. And really proud of him. So, yeah. In that light, I know a lot of people are concerned about Chaz Ayu and wondering how he's doing. What's the latest on Chaz that you can tell us? Yeah, Chaz is on the team. He's working with the honor code, working with, with the school, and, and um, working with, uh, you know, with uh, the community and trying to get things better. But, I think it'd be – they're still going through the process. You know, we love Chaz, and, and uh, we're here to support him. He knows that, but he's still currently on the team. will not be participating in spring, uh, but he'll be with us. And uh, there's a process that he has to go through. And, um, you know, I think it's probably – that's probably the most I can say about that right now, And other than we love him and we'll let him go through the process, and then we'll be there to support him regardless of what, what happens football-wise. But right now, most important thing is Chaz himself as a person. You still need a running backs coach. When can we expect uh, that to be announced? Yeah, well, you and Jerem don't want to come coach him. No, I. Um, you don't want us to coach him. No, that, that was a big joke. So for all the fans that thought I was serious, no, the um, no disrespect to you guys. You guys are great. None taken. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I think uh, it's important that we go through the the process, take our time, make sure that we do things the right way, and uh, just. You know, do everything the right way, and and I think uh, right now there's a lot of great candidates that can that can fill the spot. Right now, we have a great candidate that's um, running the room. You know, with with um, Harvey Harvey Unga, and he's doing that with with um, Steve Clark and the rest of the group. You know, with A Rod and Grimey and Mateos and so and Fessy. So I think it's going to be a 
right now we'll we'll see how it goes but i think uh hopefully soon how about that i'll take that that that's an acceptable answer uh speaking of grimy i saw him in a sling how's he doing how's he holding up yeah i, don't, I mean he's he's had uh you know unfortunately when you get to our age uh things start breaking down and i think uh, it got to the point of no return for him where it's either get surgery or or you know or or i don't know chop it off i have no idea but uh i'd like him to keep his arm you know so um He's in a sling, and, and uh, just, he's a tough guy. He'll be able to handle it. So I think he can still yell and cheer and be excited. Just can't do chest bumps or anything right now. Okay, we'll finish up with this. Uh, your pass catchers, hard not to be impressed, just as a, as a bystander watching the depth of your tight ends. Um, what can you tell us about the, the growth of that group? Yeah, it helps out getting Matt Bushman back. But, I, I mean, seeing guys like Isaac Rex and – Carter Wheat and, and um, Hank Tupelos, who's still coming back from injury, but he'll be ready. But uh, Alema Pili Mai, I mean, I'm going to forget somebody, but uh, you, you see guys really starting to, to emerge. And then Bentley Hanshaw's back from his mission. Uh, so it's a deep group, you know, and Mason Wake's playing some tight end and fullback. And so uh, there's a lot of different, um, different things we can do with that group. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> You guys, they, they, I mean, they're 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 the kind of group that would remind me who I forgot. But we'll list them all on TV. It's okay. It's and all those guys. Yeah, there's there's some people out there, but and then there there might be more. Who knows? But uh, Steve Clark's done an amazing job with them, and then I think the receivers are, are looking really good right now too. So um, you know, with with Dax and and Gunner, and um, you know, with Neil that we mentioned. So there's going to be a good group and good battle, and and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them sorted out. I'm sure you saw it. Your tight ends make some amazing TikTok videos as well. Yeah, I mean, some people show me that stuff. I, I don't have a lot of time to do that, but I mean, people can tell that I'm hardly on social media, and and so I apologize if people are following me expecting something. If there's more food involved, I'll probably tweet more or whatever. TikTok with eating. Free cookies if you TikTok a certain number of times a month. TikToking, eating all different forms of cookies, and I think that'll go really big, right? I don't know. We got to ask the younger sure, people. Sure. Right now, my daughter's like, "Dad, shut up, stop talking." So, I'll keep. I just keep working on my dance moves. <laughs> Fair enough, Kalani. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for the update. Go Cougs. Let's go. Cookies with Kalani on TikTok. Look for it. I'm sure that could get sponsored. We could figure that. <laughs> I'm out. sure it could. I, I, yeah, coaches show. What are we doing? <laughs> Coming up, Gonzaga was the best win of the season, but what was the second? St. Mary's or Houston? And which wins will indeed make the cut as top five? Our countdown is next. This is BYU Sports Nation. I have spoken. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. This is uh, on demand via the podcast as well. You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and uh, find it that way and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. You've waited long enough. Let's get to Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta. Keep climbing. Today we feature the Top 5 BYU basketball wins of the regular season. Jerem, kick it off. To the Maui Invitational we go. November 25th, BYU defeats UCLA. Man, does that win look way better now than it did Leaders then. Leaders of the Pac-12. Beats UCLA, 78-63 without Yoli Child. Jake Tulsa scored 20. BYU shot 50% from three, nine of eight. Pass the ball, Jake Toulson, bang. Bruins were eight and nine at one point this year. They won 11 of the last 13. That is a really good win on the resume now. At number four, BYU provided plenty of buzz 
in the Beehive Classic, taking down rival Utah State. Quad one win, neutral site. Yoli Childs led BYU with a double-double, 20 points, 10 rebounds. His third double-double in his first four games back. Yeah, he's important. And Alex Barcelo had a crucial three late. BYU gets a big dub against Utah State. BYU was the underdog in this game. Utah State was the better team at the time, had been ranked in the top 25. This was a big win. And now look at BYU 9 and net, Utah State in the 30s, right? So for Utah State, this was a close loss, but it has helped the resume. Number three, BYU's first of three quad one wins came in dramatic fashion. A TJ Haas buzzer beater to win at Houston, 72-71 on November 15th. Houston alum and former BYU coach Dave Rose in attendance. Mark Durant got a big hug. Big plays. This was without Yoli Child's final shot here. TJ Haas at Get the it, buzzer. TJ! Off the rim. What a play. Perhaps the shot of the year for BYU basketball. And the hug heard across BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Poor Jason Chip. Literally, the hug was heard. At number two, following a hard-fought overtime loss in Moraga, TJ Haas and a healthy, relatively, Cougars lineup would not be denied against the Gales. Haas with another save-the-day moment. Dagger, go-ahead three with seconds remaining. Zach Selyus got the block at the buzzer to seal that win. BYU beats St. Mary's. It never gets old. And the best win of the year, clearly, is beating number two Gonzaga on senior night by 13. 91-78 on February 22nd. Yoli Childs game by 28, and BYU beat Gonzaga. Oh, I love it. Our question of the day, which BYU Cougars will earn all WCC honors? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Coons Jameson on Twitter. TJ Haas, first team, Jake Toulson, second team, and the one and only Yoli Childs, West Coast Conference Player of the Year. Today's rise and shout-out, we wanted to give one to former, te- former tennis player Andrei Goryechkov, who passed away in Russia. Our thoughts and prayers with his family and the BYU tennis family as well. He was actually on BYU Sports Nation in April of 2015. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our thoughts and prayers, as uh, you said, Jerem, with uh, Goryechkov, uh, really tough time, and we look out for our BYU family, that's for sure. Conversation continues 24-7, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. We'll see you tonight for baseball and basketball. Go Cougs.